Hi, I'm Leslie Carrara Rudolph. I'm Lolly Lard Pop. And I'm Abby Kidabby. And you're listening to Sci Fi Saturday Night with the Dome. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and faith that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome yet again to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that I'm here, you're there, I'm talking, you're listening. This week we're going to hear some stuff, it'll hopefully be really good, otherwise it won't be. That's for me to talk, you to decide, and we're going to have some other people talking too. I'm the Dome, with me tonight in podcast number 472 is uh, Commander Cam. Cam! Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Dome? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Uh, so we're not going to talk about that. How's the planning going for uh, grand finale? What maybe our last podcast or may not be. I don't know yet. Uh, number 450 coming along. I'm, I'm last, sorry, number 500. Last, 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 last podcast. Oh, did I let I that would... cat out of the bag? Well, oh, you just ruined my plan. Because you see, episode 500. Okay, just you know, sit back, everybody, and we get ready for this. Episode 500. It's yes. this mad dash. We're, you know, we've 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 stolen a time machine, and we're darting through time and space, interviewing authors from from the past, the present, and the future, moving through all dimensions. And then at the last minute, we're hurtling towards the in the end of the universe, the very warping forces. A black hole opens. We're Seriously, you haven't done anything, have you? And it's continued, and then it's to be you, continued in episode have, 501. You haven't you haven't planned a goddamn thing. That was all the planning. What more planning do I need? Do you need a ghostwriter? Yes, please, if you would. I would really <laughs> love that. You haven't sorry to burst you, ha- it. you haven't put you haven't put pencil t- you haven't you haven't wasted a single electron yet, have you? Well, you know, I mean, uh-huh. I'd, I'd like to conserve yeah. my electrons. Okay, I, I have an idea for you. Okay. Um, over the past 10, 15 years, uh, we've had 10 or 15 co-hosts. Uh, and I am calling upon all the co-hosts that we've had since the start of this unique event uh, to come join us for episode 500 in what could be a huge clusterfuck. Uh, (laughs) But we'd like to have you all join us for uh, show number 500, Uh, which I think may be kind of funny, maybe a a huge waste of bandwidth. Did you just come in, say hi, so that... uh, could reacquaint the audience with you, see how you've been. 
And maybe you hate us and don't want to, and maybe not, and we'll see how that goes. And maybe some of our guests who are still haven't alienated from the past come back and join us again. Maybe we could do that. What do you think? I still like my time machine idea. I think that's a dumb idea. Okay, fine. <laughs> just just shooting from the hip here. All right. No, 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 no. We, we, we can idea. do that. If, if, if you want to just go, you know, go that direction. You know, I can see that. That, 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 that works. Yeah. I'm it's good. either that or an hour with Nicolas Cage. It's up to you. No. Yeah, I uh, well, I, I was going to get Jennifer. I was, was going to get Nicolas Cage, but I just can't get in touch with his agent. So, yeah, no. that's kind of a that's a long shot. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And a bad idea, but that's OK. <laughs> so like a month ago. We had uh, Jennifer Ann Gordon on to talk about a couple of books that she had done. And, and then she said, oh, by the way, I did this other book. And we said, hey, send it over. So she sent it over. And she sent over a bunch of other stuff that she had done. And uh, we read the book and uh, got to like the book a lot. So we called her back and said, called her back and said, Jen, could, could you come back on the show? And she said, no. And we said, seriously, Jen, could you come back? And she said, no. And then she and made up. And then they said, I know where you live. And I said, still no. And then they said, we've seen your dog. And then I said, fine. That's true. We did play the dog card. <laughs> so, sorry to beat you to the punch. Yeah. We did play the dog card. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we did. We it's did. my I'm week sorry. now. It's I'm sorry. <laughs> we threatened your dog. <laughs> so joining us once again, Jennifer and Gordon Shen. Welcome back. Lovely oh. to talk to you again. And um, Honestly, thank you so much. So the truth of that story is, is that um, you guys did ask me to come back, and I thought it was a mistake because I had just been on your show. And so I talked to my publicist, Mickey, and I was like, oh, I was just on their show. They, they can't want me back already. And he said, no, they do. To which I said, really? <laughs> With a million question marks. And he said, no, yeah, they do. And I said, well, then I, I would love to go. I would love, I love them. But I was shocked. Well, they... <laughs> sometimes I'm not pleasing to people. <laughs> Actually, what we, what we wrote was, if Jennifer ever writes a book with a happy, happily ever after ending, oh. <laughs> or a children's book for that matter, we're calling the police because she's been kidnapped and somebody is writing under her name. Uh. Uh, I do have a children's book in mind, but it is, um, I realized it was a children's book that only parents would want to read their kids, and the kids would either be bored or terrified. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got gotcha you there. <laughs> I'm uh, like, here, it's this. And the kids would be like, I hate this so much. <laughs> so, Although, thank you for the heads up, because, you know, now I know when I see it published that I don't have to call the police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I'll let you know. I'll let you All right. know. Thank give, you. Give us, give, us the, uh, give us the proofread on, on that puppy first <laughs> so that we can hide it from children. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the review copy of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent. And um, yes, oh. yes, sor- sorry. <laughs> um, 
I will just say, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, I'm so, like, protective, and I love this book so much because it's, you know, kind of been in my head for 20 years. And then uh, in the past few months, really kind of since past November, it's picked up, a, like, a, a, a number of awards. And I thought, holy cow, people, you know, kind of read this beautiful, frightening, silent book. Uh, you know, brainchild of mine that is not an easy read emotionally or nope. even kind of like, no, not emotionally. It's, it's, nope. Um, nope. So, uh, yeah. Not a fun read either. Let nope, me tell nope, you. Not a fun read. No, no. Um, but it won some awards for horror and I was so appreciative to see, like, it's won this award. But then on the other hand, I get these reviews that say, this was depressing and awful and I hated all of these people and every moment of the book, but the ending was fine. And I'm like, oh, well, you got to the end, so I'm taking that as a huge compliment to me that you hated it, but got to the end. Okay, look, here's here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, the first couple of pages, by about 15 pages in, I had the book figured out. Did you? The style of this book is beautiful. Oh, thank you. It is. It is. Uh, what was the term that you used for it when we were talking earlier? Are you talking to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we were oh, talking just before the show. Oh, and... yeah. I said it was. So in Gothic fiction, there's a term called doubling where you you tell parallel stories that seem very different on the surface, but emotionally, like the core essence of them are the same thing. So. And, I, and I was I was telling you that I felt like by about 15, 20 pages in that I'm walking down said, a railroad track. And that was so and, perfect. And I'm walking down the wooden ties down the center of a railroad track, very conscious of the rails on either side and very conscious of how the weeds are dragging at my feet. Mm. And the weeds are all the characters that are just dragging and pulling at my feet and my clothing. And, and um, the characters are are uh how to put this how to put Dif this difficult very difficult difficult uh, they are very difficult and very <laughs> um unpleasant they are unpleasant you know as much as it I, and i agree with that because um but i i loved each of them so much as, it's okay as I unpleasant mean, it's, it's as, okay that they're unpleasant yeah because i think weirdly even even my antagonist, my quote, they're kind of all the antagonists, um, but even Anthony, I felt like there were parts of him that I just, and he's my main antagonist for people listening to this. There were parts of him that I just really sort of enjoyed and cared about, even though he's, you know, borderline sociopathic. And, borderline? And, How dare you? I know. <laughs> well, 
I feel like I would be insulting real sociopaths because Anthony sometimes has feelings because he is creeped out by the memory of his mother. <laughs> A sociopath yeah, wouldn't but, care about that at all. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> and then 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 it occurred to me it occurred to me that you've written a gothic horror book in which there is not a real villain or victim in the entire book. There is not. And I've had people get mad because they want my ghost, my, my, my beautiful manipulative ghost who was murdered 60 years before this, uh, book happens they want her to be the victim and they i know they want her to be benevolent and so loving and so amazing and she is in many ways while she's alive but 60 years of haunting your murderer that changes a an essence of somebody i can't say person because she's dead but right right but revenge and rage can turn somebody who was once incredibly likable and incredibly good into in an otherness. She is, she's in a different, she's an other. She's not alive. She's not dead. She's not nice. She's not the villain. Or is she? <laughs> but she's not the victim either. She's not the victim. There's only... So- there's only one victim in that entire book, and that's little Benny boy. I don't. By the time we get to where we are, I don't know that he's the victim either. Well, when he was alive. <laughs> but that's love, not where. But that's not where we are in the story. I know. So at that point, at the point where we are, at the point where we're reading, at the point at which I've walked into this story, there is neither. Victim nor villain. I am walking. I am walking into the middle of a story. Yes. That has no beginning. That has no end. No. <laughs> and you have, you have left me. You you have thrown me into a maelstrom. And none of sorry, these are sorry. a bad. No, and none of these are a bad thing. None of these are a bad thing. This is uh, as as close to a a uh, a gothic horror locked room Agatha Christie mystery that I have ever seen. Oh my gosh! I want to cry. I want to cry. Those are such beautiful <laughs> words. Um, Be- because. You've left me, you've thrown me into it. You leave me no way to figure my way out of it. And I'm sitting there at the end going, well, now what do I do with it? Yeah. Now. (laughs) I thought the same thing and I wrote it. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, crap. Now, I think my thought is this. Um, uh, your, your characters took you hostage. Yes, I 100% agree with this. There's a moment when, um, so there's a few times in the book, I'm trying not to be too spoily, spoilery. Yeah, me but too, when, and it's very difficult. I know, it's especially, difficult. 
There, there are especially because I just read the ending of this book, uh, maybe four or five hours ago. Okay, so it's so fresh. it's very all very fresh in my head. Uh, the the last forty pages. Yeah, the uh, so I will say there was the moment I realized my main character Adam was making decisions that I didn't want him to make was. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I don't think this is too spoilery. Uh, Adam is offered um, opioids a few times during his life during the story. It's a yes. it's a pattern that keeps happening. Yes. And I never intended for him to ever take a pill or even be interested because this is not a spoiler. He's an alcoholic, not a pill addict. Um, but then there's one moment in the book where he he says yes to the drugs and i when i wrote that it was early in the morning it was before i went to work i screamed i screamed while writing it and typing it and my um now husband burst into the room thinking that i saw a mouse or something like that and uh <laughs> he said what the fuck is wrong and <laughs> why are you screaming he was very kind uh but he's Russian, so this is how we talk to each other. He said, what the fuck is wrong? Why are you screaming? And I said, Adam just bought opioids. And he said, okay. And I said, yeah, he wasn't supposed to. That's that it's the wrong freaking choice for him. And he said, well, just delete it. And I said, I can't. He did it. He hijacked you. Yeah. I'm like, it exists. I don't even know what's going to happen now. You just threw a monkey wrench into my story, Adam. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm a pantser. I went into Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent knowing the beginning, the the middle point, which was always a question mark of what that middle point meant. And I knew the end. And the end can be taken two different, two different ways or multiple different ways, depending on what that middle point means. Um, but I never intended for him to take any pills. But then he did. Hmm. I blame the island. That's all I have to say. Well, to I think, Cameron, you know, um, because you asked me, Cameron messaged me on Facebook earlier saying, is Dagger <laughs> Island your castle rock? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I do blame the island as well. <laughs> I do it because it was something, you know, we were talking about villains earlier and I had two answers for that. One's a joke and that's a seagull or seagull the character <laughs> yes! that, that sells oh the opioids. <laughs> that was my joke answer because it's such a small character named character that it would just be, but then I could think about it thinking, but it's the island. Is it that? really is. Especially after having read the other two books, which are based on that same island, a hundred or so odd years in the past or something no. like that. So, so yeah. I wrote Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent first, and there's like one throwaway line in Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent about this island is haunted because uh, somebody couldn't get over the loss of his lover and he wanted to see her so bad. Yeah, and I, I question that because I'm, <laughs> I'm reading that and I know that line was there, but having read the other two books first, which now I know they were written in the opposite <laughs> order, makes it even cooler, Yeah, um, is that when I read that and I'm sitting there reading it and I'm reading about the characters that were already there before. Uh, well, this isn't a spoiler. It'll just encourage people to go read the other two books is when Isabel first arrives on the Island, you know, 
I'm looking at that place going, that place was screwed up before you even arrived, Isabel. Don't that even, place, you know, take yeah. a word of it. Um, I mean, and I will tell you, they're not written, but I have, I have a lot of Dagger Island books that all, like, I have it charted out, even though I'm a pantser, like, I have the order, and in, in certain ways, I have a family line that directs all the way back to Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, or all the way towards Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent. Um, and that's what I was kind of wondering, because we find out that, you know, Anthony's family has been on this island, yes, you know, for generations. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of that voice. I'm thinking of that voice that, you know, what you just said. As I was reading that section, I'm going, oh, I need to have a talk with uh, with this woman about this. She's done it to me again. But there's, I you, did. I'm so sorry. And I love oh, it don't when people be. pick up on it because I do have people who like uh, send me messages like strangers and I love it. And they're like, um, I have a question. Is blah, 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 the great, 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 great grandmother of so-and-so? And I'm like, um, you will just have to keep reading. <laughs> well, and I'm I'm not making any assumptions as to who is who is what, because um, you know, having read the other two books, and again, not wanting to give away any spoilers, but it could be virtually a lot of people, it's you know. But people. there could be a whole genealogy of this island, mm-hmm. and I think that over time, that would be something really, really, really worth exploring. Yeah. So, you know, the people who listen to this, uh, the only books that you sort of like kind of have to read in order are From Daylight to Madness and When the Sleeping Dead Still Talk. Those two are linked. Yep. But um, they sure are. <laughs> sure. That was definitely one book that I chopped into. Um, but there will be I would just say no matter what I write, look for the words Dagger Island because I'm writing something right now that has nothing to do with the island, but it's still very tangentially in that universe. Yes, and you teased me with that one over Facebook Messenger. So I'm, I'm, now, I'm now sitting here going, finish the book, Jennifer. I must read it, this. I have, I'm, I am, you know, halfway through draft three. So it will, it will be out in late June by Heller High Water. Alrighty, but um, and, but then after that, I do have like a, a a little collection of stories, novellas that are Dagger Island adjacent that will be out around Halloween. Ooh. Yeah, because I think what we kind of hinted at that. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we kind of hinted at that that there's there is a when when Isabel rides there are not published date but temporally. The first story that we experience it is through Isabel um, with with you with the uh, temporally the first book, but not published date the first book. So that confused the heck out of all the listeners. I'm sorry. But basically, Isabel meets all these really weird characters. And I think when we talked last, I said to you, I want to know these characters stories because there's got to be some amazing stories there. I know I keep hearing this from people and I love it. Um, I love it so much. I mean, obviously, Agnes needs there's an Agnes book eventually mm-hmm. and it, it will probably be sooner rather than later because I feel like she keeps talking to me like the other night I had a dream and I'm like Agnes get out of my damn head I'm trying to finish this book um, <laughs> so there there is an Agnes book that is very much related to 
um, the hotel series, the Isabel and the Francis books. It, but it would be a standalone, but it would be much better if you read the other books. Um, but then there's what I have planned for the island, for my Castle Rock, for Dagger Island. It, it starts at probably like the 1650s for that specific plot of land. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when it was birthed from hell through a rift in time and space and just popped into existence. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I give a real bad rap to the to the islands off the coast of Maine and New Hampshire when I <laughs> when I write because I have people who vacation on islands that are off the coast of Maine who and and off the coast of New Hampshire and I get messages from people that say this isn't based on blah blah blah, is it? We're going to be there in July. And I really. I have. It's basically. I hate to say it's. It's roughly based geographically on one island and geographically in another way on another island, but not spiritually. So if I name these islands, just know that it is not. I'm not saying your island is haunted, but geographically, it's kind of based on Peaks Island off the coast of Portland, Maine. Because I just like where that is. But I love Star Island and the Isles of Shoals. So Dagger Island is landscape-wise like Star Island, except probably about three times the size. But in a similar way that when you get to Star Island and you get off the dock, you're looking at a grand hotel. In their case, it's actually a hotel and not an asylum, like in uh, my world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Their world is a very beautiful, lovely hotel. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Your world is slightly, just slightly different. I know. I have a wonderful friend. Her name is Carolyn, and she spends. She used to spend pre-COVID, like every summer at the Isles of Shoals on Star Island in that hotel. And when she read the book, she was like, "Man, <laughs> what did you do to my island?" And I'm like, like I, you know it's it's a fictionalized version of your island but but i love the isles of shoals so it is i know i write creepy stuff but it is my love letter to that part of new england yeah it was fun because I, I i actually that when i actually read this one i remembered from our previous interview that you'd mentioned that so i went and google searched every picture i could <laughs> find of the of the, the of star island to remind myself what it looked like so that, you know, when I, I could picture it in my head, you know, what it would approximately supposed to look like. Yeah. When you have you have the characters like Anthony wandering around it or haunting it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I love Star Island. I love the way it's kind of set up. Dagger Island is bigger. So it is it's definitely bigger than that. But with the original setup of like coming off the dock and seeing the hotel. But by the time Beautiful, Frightening and Silent has um because that's, you know, 150 years after my hotel series. The hotel is no longer there in its original form. So it's, but yeah, I love the landscape. I love the rocky, the rocky landscape. I love Star Island has a beautiful little cemetery, which um, I made far creepier and awful in my hotel book. It's a lovely cemetery. It's a lovely, beautiful little cemetery that is not gross um, on the real island, but I made it 
um, horrifying in my other book. <laughs> but you see, this is what I love about great authors like you. And I've met a few others that managed to do this, and they've unfortunately stuck this thought process into my head, is you can go and look at something lovely like Star Island and go, what would it be like if it was really, really creepy? Right. So I spent every single birthday from the time I was a little kid until, you know, pre-COVID, except for the times that I didn't live in New Hampshire, on Star Island. It's probably one of my favorite places on the planet. I would beg my parents to bring me there. So in my brain, when I think New England Island, I think of Star Island. And again, just apologies to everybody that I'm a horror writer <laughs> and not, and not, you know, um, Celia Thaxter lived on Appledore Island. She was a poet. Um, so Appledore Island was one of the other Isles of Shoals. So I, I'm no Celia Thaxter. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. <laughs> we'll try to forgive you. <laughs> I it's mean, okay. if I if I write about a garden and a lighthouse, it's probably going to be awful for you the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag can't wait for my next books. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're seeing is that a lot of times what happens is you create characters and place them in situations and let them tell you their stories. Yes. And they hijack you a lot of times. And sometimes the stories don't necessarily turn out how you expected them to. That is very fair. Like, like I say, I always try, like I try to go in first. I have to know my characters and, and even still knowing my characters, they still tell me things as I'm writing that make me know them more. But I do a lot of character work. What do you mean by that? Plot. What so, do you mean by character work? This is going to sound so dorky, but no. I went to, I went to school for theater, um, as, mm-hmm. an act, as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I did character work, my first thing, and this was always with things that were already written, so it's kind of null and void here, I would figure out what people say about them and what they say about themselves. So I still go into character work with that, figure out a character and just, I try to do, you know, between five and 10 things. What does this character say about himself? Or herself and then I think what do other people say about this character and I write down five or ten things and usually they're very different things <laughs> and, and, and then I go from there I, I try to I, I, I say dream casting where I, I think about these people while I try to go to sleep while I'm just staring at a window who are they? What made them who they are? Because there's always, it, 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 this is like the Pixar movie, Inside Out. There's like core memories from childhood that make you who you are. 
and I try to figure out what those memories are, even if it's just like two or three for each character, even, you know, Seagull, Seagull in Beautiful, Frightening and Silent. She's a very bit character who I've had weirdly more messages about to write her story than I would like. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, I have. I can understand and, that. I, I can understand that completely. I won't lie. I have a character in a non-Dagger Island related serial killer short story that might as well be Seagull. And I thought, oh, if I just renamed her Seagull, it's like into the mythology of it all. Because it's, basi- it's basically her. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I dreamcast. I think about those core memories, those core little tiny things that make you who you are. And these aren't huge things like my dad died when I was a kid. That can be one of them. But sometimes it's something little like a girl threw a raisin in my hair on the bus. And that destroyed me. Or, you know, it's it's a little thing. So I try to think of my characters as a couple big memories and then a couple really small memories that define them like um i would say adam as a boy adam from beautiful frightening and silent he loved very sharp pencils he was the type of boy who would go to that pencil sharpener that was attached to a counter in the corner of the room and like sharpen the heck out of his pencils and just look at them and be like this is what i have to offer this is a beautiful pencil that's adam and then you go from there when it comes to your writing, do you, are you, like, dedicated to a certain place, a certain time? Mm-mm. No? No. Oh. Whenever it hits, it hits? Well, And then I'll you've got to do it then? Um, I'm both. But pre-COVID, when I had a very regular schedule for my, my job... I only oh, had job. Well, job. Yeah, well, job. Those days were gone. Job. Um, I only gone. had a certain amount of hours per day that I could write. So that's how I wrote Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent and um, a big chunk of From Daylight to Madness. And when I did the research for both of those books was just like dedicated to two hours every day, three hours every day, and like late morning to early afternoon. Now that um, my life is more liquid, like dark, fluid liquid, uh, and and my schedule is more malleable, my my schedule's changed. I still I still try to stay with my writing time as my writing time, but I let my inspiration come when it does. So sometimes, you know, back in the day when I could see people in person. I would just like randomly grab my phone and start. They thought I was like texting or something, but really I was just like writing myself notes, like a Facebook message to myself, which is like free verse poetry, just like phrase, 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 sometimes a word, sometimes anything. When it hits you, it hits you. So it's it's difficult to kind of capture that if you're in the middle of, we'll say, a work meeting or... 
Um, nah, a, a they don't mind, do they? <laughs> um, oh, I shouldn't say anything. I'm like, uh, I don't. Is my new boss listening to this now? Um, I try not to work while I do my new job because my new job is taking like notes on Senate hearings for the New Hampshire state government. Oh, okay. So, so I I, I try not to Gosh. think about ghosts then. <laughs> Even if I want to. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. But I always have um, multiple ways of communicating with myself. So even if I'm on the computer for work, I have either my phone or I have like a little free writing thing, which is like a, a old... Um, I can't even remember what it's called. It's like a word processor from the 90s. It's basically just a keyboard. It's like a tiny little screen that I free write in all the time. And I don't even know what I've written until I plug it into my computer and it shows me. So I always have that near me at all times of the day. Even if I'm writing one novel, I can just like lean over and type a phrase into that thing. And it just saves there. Later I can look at it and delete or or pat myself on the back Go it's, hey, mostly, nice job. it's mostly delete <laughs> <laughs> i won't lie <laughs> so do you have time to do painting now you know i i don't and i i say that because i don't have a dedicated space for painting right now so um, cause we're, you know, we're all in quarantine. We're all in lockdown. I am we in are. a house. Yeah. I'm in a house with my, my mom who doesn't have, she's not in great health and she's, um, she also has some, you know, issues with dementia, which is fine. Um, I'm also in the house with a cat who isn't, he's not fine. He's the worst. I love him. He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. Um, He's the worst. Um, his name is Jimmy. I call him Fat Jimmy or Mimi. Uh, so there's my mom. There's the cat. I have a dog. I have a husband. For me to paint, I like to have a dedicated studio space so I can, much like writing, I can go to it, do it, and then leave. Now, since quarantine, if I'm going to paint, I kind of have to... It's, it's a real commitment. It takes clearing out a space, clearing out a room, locking the cat up. <laughs> That's impossible. And then and then trying to paint as much as I can. I can't sure. leave, I can't leave a mess out right now. Mm-hmm. And and before this, I could just, you know, whether I had a, a studio space outside of the house or just different time or just like you know someplace dedicated with a door that closed you can leave the mess you can half paint something and walk away let the story build and come back to it so i'm guessing i'm guessing the same goes for your photography at this point as well um you know the photography yes but every once in a while when you do leave the house and by you i mean me uh sometimes you you catch something that's beautiful my photography for for people who are listening to this is mainly based on my favorite things i should say are a, abandoned 
buildings, abandoned structures, old. You do have fun with urban architecture. I love urban architecture. I love urban exploring. Before I had to, you know, be responsible and care for my mother's life, I would urban explore a lot more because I thought, what would happen if I got arrested? It would be fine. Now I think, <laughs> what happened if I got arrested? Oh, my mom wouldn't get her meds. So I don't actively trespass now, but I, I used to <laughs> what be. What a great uh, idea. Not to actively <laughs> trespass. I used to be a very active trespasser because um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, what would happen? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just taking pictures. I'll I'll, I'll go to jail. I'll get a fine. It, it's worth it for the art, but now I have to be around to, like, feed somebody and, and give somebody her medication, so I don't actively trespass as much, and when I travel, back when we used to be able to travel, uh, my friends who are lawyers would always say, remember, I can't cover you if you are in, you know, Czech Republic or Italy or wherever you think you're going to be breaking into a place. So don't get caught. Their jail system sucks, you know, random places. But I do love I do love empty buildings and I do love walls that have peeling paint, peeling wallpaper. And I love to think about what happened in all of these places, which is kind of what I explore in my writing. It's what I explore in my photography. It's what I explore in my painting. There are, there are visions in, in some of your urban architecture that very much mirror the Gothic intensity of your uh, your writing, very much so. I noticed that right off the bat. There's a, there's a duality there that, that's very enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I... I I appreciate that so much. I'll be I'll be honest because you know sometimes people say I just don't I don't get it. I don't I don't know what you're doing. You take pictures, you write books, blah blah blah. But then there are people who look at it all and say I I see the story. <laughs> I see who you are. I see your inspiration. And so that means something to me. Thank you. Cool. I'm glad I'm, I'm 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 glad that there's a there's there's a, another set of train tracks that I could walk down with you. <laughs> I love train tracks. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I could walk a little more. What can I tell you? Can we talk a little bit about your podcast? Uh, sure. <laughs> Why do you call it Vox Vomitus? <laughs> so, um. I call it Vox Vomitus because I wanted to call it Word Vomit. But well, you did. But, I mean, nicer than that. Well, I, you know, I wanted to actually call it Word Vomit, not nicer than that, but that was copywritten. Of course. And, and then I wanted to call it, like, Vomit Draft and all of these things. Uh, I settled, but I'm so glad I quote-unquote settled, for Vox Vomitus, which um, is fake Latin for Word Vomit. And the podcast is about, um, it's myself and I have two co-hosts, we're all writers, and we talk to best-selling authors, like the people, the biggest authors working today, and we talk to them not about what went right at all, we talk 
pretty much about what went wrong. <laughs> the word vomit. So we talk about the first drafts, the the times that they write an entire book and hand it to their beta readers or their alpha readers and they say, this is not good. And, you know, the editing process. We talk about the things that you write that just, like, you don't have a feel for, but you think, I'm going to write a sex scene anyways. I'm sure it's going to be great. And then everybody reads it and they're like, that is not sexy. That is gross. Um, we talk about all of those things. And um, it's very fun. It's sort of a literary happy hour. Again, I have, I have two co-hosts. Allison Martine and Trisha Ridinger McKee. They are both romance authors, uh, primarily. Oh, but so they, that's they, a perfect fit then. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but but Allison Martine, she also does literary science fiction, and Trisha also does science fiction, and she does some horror, but mostly in short stories for Trisha. So we have this, you know, it's a fun dynamic, and we both. Uh, we all three of us I shouldn't say we both all three of us kind of published our book at the same time our first book and we've just like been in it together from the beginning and we became friends and we have this little group chat that we always chat in all day about um, how our writing is going how our life is going and I kept saying the phrase it's just word vomit. Oh, it's just my vomit draft. Uh, it's just vomit, vomit, vomit. And they kept laughing. And then I pitched that idea to a podcast network and they said, we would love that. <laughs> so this is how I tricked my friends into being on a podcast. with Nice me. job. Nice going. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. They were just like, oh, it has the word vomit in it. And we have to be on camera all the time. There you uh -oh. go. But it's been fun. Um, every week is like a master class, really, because we get to talk to to people that are I consider the best of the best in general in their genres. We've we've talked to James Rollins, Mary Barton, Paul Tremblay, Wendy Webb, Matt Ruff, huge, huge names. Um, and we have bigger names coming and. I think it's refreshing for them because they don't always have to talk about, they don't have to plug their new book. They're not trying to sell anything. Mm -hmm. They're actually just trying to communicate with other writers and say, look, there's plenty of times that I write things and I have to delete it. Or I, I write 200 pages and think this isn't fucking anything. Did I just waste four months? At the end of the day, you've never wasted time. So they've taught us that. Um, it's been a fun, a fun journey talking about the worst parts of writing with the best people who are writing. Excellent. You know, the, the best part about my job here is, and, and I think with Cam too, is that you get to meet fun people who are having fun doing what they do. Yes. And, and for me, this has been God, almost 20 years of doing this now. That's, you know, it's incredible. Your legacy for talking to authors. Well, just is, not authors. Yeah. I mean, authors, artists, yeah. uh, um, actors, producers. I mean, it's some of the weirdest goddamn people in the universe. <laughs> Love Scientists. it. 
I mean, you know, just more fun than humans should be allowed to have. Uh, and some of the dumbest people in the world, too. I've talked to some really dumb people <laughs> at the same time. So, you know, I've I've run the gamut, but but it's always been fun. And and when it hasn't been fun, uh, I've done 15 minute shows. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. No, I've also, I, I get I've that. also done three hour shows. So, you know. Yeah, I've never I've I've been lucky, but I'm very I'm still new at podcasting. It's just about a year for me for podcasting. I've never had to do a 15 minute show, but I have in the past, the way past it, when I kind of first started being interviewed, I've been on interviews that I would wish were 15 minutes. Oh, I bet you have. <laughs> um, but then I've been on interviews that have lasted for hours, literally hours. And then the host goes, oh my gosh, this has been two hours and 45 minutes. And I've said the words, oh, we're recording. Like, I, for I forgot we were recording. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's happened a bunch of times, too. I mean, it's, it's I think it's nice. happened with I have, think it happened with us last time. We went yeah. yeah we, were, we were close to an hour and a half when we went. <laughs> oh, shit. We were going that we, long. You've got to cut this. <laughs> I believe I was late for my medication. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yes, you were. I mean, as a medication giver, I am usually right on top of that. So every once in a while, I'm on a podcast and I'm like, I have to, like in the chat, I'm like, I mm -hmm. have to give my mother her medication now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting rather close to that at this point, to be <laughs> oh. honest with you. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We can, we can cut it short, chat afterwards. And, take uh, it. Yours is, <laughs> you know, and yours the, is a the, video podcast. So it isn't it. So it's uh, not like you can just, you know, slip, put that, put, take off your headphones, slip away and go take care of something and come back. Yeah, that's true. I know. The slack, I, I never, know. I, it was the, the, the choice we made. And of <laughs> and course, every once in a while, I'm like, why did we make this choice? <laughs> of course, for me, the, the good thing is, is I have a face made for radio, so it works out perfectly for me. Oh, you and me both. You and me <laughs> oh, both. That is such crap. But that's it's okay. not. No, I photograph well because I have good. I know how to work my angles. But if you, when you see me in real life, which you will, you'll see that I look like a really pretty horse. Like, oh, <laughs> like she's fine. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you I'm dare. very angular. <laughs> Okay. But I know my angles. You can't see me because I'm not on camera now, but I'm doing them. <laughs> <laughs> I have a yeah, oh, I, have okay. I have strong features. <laughs> I have a face made for I won't say radio, but I have a face made for stage work because I was a theater uh, theater major. So strong, strong big features, which don't look good on close-up film, but look really great from like a thousand seats back in the house. <laughs> from the center of the house, you look awesome. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, uh, with a very good lighting director. <laughs> you know, if there were a hundred things I could say about how how enchanting I find all the different facets of, of your work, uh, it wouldn't be enough. Uh, what I, a, oh, 
I love that so much. I'm sorry. I'm going to cry. I don't know no. how to do math or science or, or business things or balance my checkbook. All I have is art. So. Well, that's that's more than enough. That's more than enough. You You can do things with words that I wish I could. You can do things visually that are quite stunning and uh, I haven't got the words to describe quite how they are, which is why they're done with pictures. Uh, Perfectly said. Actually, those are the words to describe art. Yeah, uh, it's very, very multi-talented and and you're a joy to talk to and you're welcome back here any goddamn time. I mean, I would come back every week, but yeah, please. But that, was, <laughs> that would seem like freaky and weird. If I was like, "Hi, hey, I'm back again," and they're like, mm, "Hi, Jennifer." <laughs> hey, Cam, who do we have on next week? <laughs> who, who do we have on? Oh, we have shoot, some you comic book guy on this. next week. You want to come on and talk to some comic book guy next week? No, oh, actually, we've comic? got we got no, we've got we've got Scott Noel on next week. Oh, oh. Yes, from uh, from Dreamforge. Dreamforge magazine. Oh, I say you just, I mean, look look at me inviting myself on your show. I'm like, you send me your schedule and I'll be there whenever you want. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's a All deal right. to be made. In the meantime, in the meantime, uh, the book is beautiful, frightening, and silent. It's a book that is a gothic horror. Uh, I mean, fine, if you want to pigeonhole it, fine, do that. It is, but it isn't. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a book about some stuff. You read it, um, and it, it drops you into the center of this unimaginable series of events that's totally imaginable and walks you through lives of a past and a present and a future that is just, um, quite different from anything I've ever read before. And I would say that it's not my cup of tea because up until the time that I read it, it wasn't. But uh, once again, I've been proven wrong. Uh, it's part of a, a series of books that she's writing about Dagger Island, whether she thinks she is or not. <laughs> they all are. They all are. Uh, I think it's it's almost like when you people say when you dream about a house it's always you so dagger island is my house that i dream about and it's me every bit of it is me the stories that live there the passing mentions and other work it's it's all me dagger island's my autobiography sorry everybody (laughs) (laughs) we're looking forward to the next (laughs) next series the next book the next artwork the next photography Thank you. Uh, from the incredibly talented Jennifer Ann Gordon. Jennifer, thanks so much for coming by tonight. Um, I love you both so much. Uh, I, I I would come back anytime you wanted me to. I would do, I, I, I bow down in your amazing glory, both of you. I honestly, as an, as an author and an artist, I really appreciate when people see my work and 
just and just care about it enough to ask me back so thank you thank you thank you thank you sci-fi saturday night is the official podcast of granite con plastic city comic con and the upper valley comic expo we are also sponsored by dreamforge magazine a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction and comic art house visit comic art house for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts, For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. Yep, that's me. I'm Yakko. Hello, nurse.